0: Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. I am going to be honest. So I was I was helping with the camp this week, and my brain is still in camp mode. And I gotta be real. Talking with kids is a little bit talking a little bit different talking to adults uh, because I would start off every morning here at camp with a big old good morning, and I had to like consciously say, okay, don't do that right off the bat. This is different, this different setting, same room, different. okay. Uh, but I'm so glad you're here with us this morning, uh, whether you're here in person or joining us online. Glad to have you here. My name is uh, Ty Hall. I'm the worship pastor here at FCC, uh, and every so often Eric uh, and I will do the old wrestler tag in tag out and he'll lead worship and I 'll teach and so glad to be here with you this morning. First things first, I want to wish all of you in the room and joining us online a happy Father's Day, whether that be a biological father, an adopted father, a stepfather, a foster father, an uncle, a grandparent, or a spiritual father. Happy Father's Day, everybody. I really hope for all the dads in the room or the father figures in the room, I hope you get whatever makes you happy, whether that be an extra cinnamon roll on your way out the door or maybe just that like little tiny space of like nice quiet whatever. but I'm very happy to have you all here, and since uh, I have the microphone, I get to wish the fathers in my life joining online a happy Father's Day as well. So happy Father's Day to my dad in Alabama and my stepdad, Burke, in Illinois, as well as my grandfather and my uncle. Glad to have you here with us this morning. I get to do that because I have the microphone. Um, <laughs> but uh, we are currently in the middle of our series on the parables, the stories that Jesus told, and as we jump into our story today, I would love to Pray over our time together. So would you all join me in prayer? God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the fathers in our life, the father figures. Uh, God, we, we thank you for the ways that you have provided for us, the, the people who have provided good listening ears, good advice, fun jokes, uh, moments where we can just vent, moments where we can uh, seek strength and wisdom. And so God, we do thank you for uh, the father figures in our life this morning. God, as we open up your word, as we dig into the scripture, God, would you uh, speak to us this morning? And God, would you not just speak to us? God, would we be willing and ready to listen? God, whatever that means for us today, would we hear your voice this morning? God, we pray all these things in your name. Amen. All right, so the easiest way that I have heard a parable described is as a story, but it's not just a story. Parables are earthly stories with heavenly meanings. Uh, What I mean by that is Jesus would often tell these stories as a response to either a question or a comment or some sort of statement, and these stories would use regular, everyday situations, practices, things like that, and they would kind of have this hidden double meaning. They would have a spiritual meaning. So that's where it's an earthly story, something understandable, but it is talking about something deeper, usually. Uh, today, the parable that we'll be focusing on is actually found in two places. We'll be spending most of our time in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. If you'd like to turn there or slide there on your phone app, that's now would be the time. But we'll also stop by Luke chapter 19, verses 16 through 20. Um, and today, Uh, I actually am not going to have the verses on the screen because parables are stories. And so I would like to take you into a little bit of a story time space, if that's okay. Like I said, I'm still in camp mode, and so I like telling stories. I would tell stories to kids all the time. And so if you want to get a little comfortable, you want to hold that cup of coffee a little bit closer, get nice and cozy, whatever that looks like for you. But uh, I will be reading uh, from the NIV translation of Matthew chapter 25, if you just like to listen to this parable. went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master returned to those servants and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five and said, Master, you have entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man with two bags of gold also said, Master, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And this is where the soundtrack gets a little ominous. (laughs) Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I know that you are a hard man. Harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And then the the score really picks up. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well, you should have put the money on deposit with the bankers. So when I returned, I would have at least some interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags for whoever will be given, whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, weird story. <laughs> Just gonna be honest. After reading this story, there's a few things I noticed right off the bat. All right, number one, The first word in this parable is the word again, which clues us into the context of the story of the parable of what Jesus is saying. So we'll come back to that in a second. The second thing I notice is it's kind of odd that as soon as the master leaves, these guys run out and start investing the money. (laughs) Like that seems pretty weird to me that he's like, here, here's my money. All right, see you later. I'm gonna go try and invest this money. But that's what they do. And the two of them are pretty decent at it. They earn double what they were trusted with. And then the third servant gets in trouble, like really bad trouble. He gets thrown out of the house into the darkness. Uh, he's called wicked and lazy, and it's not like he lost the money. Like he, he kept the money. He didn't bury it and then forget where he buried it. He didn't spend it all partying or anything like that. He kept the money, and he's actually probably looking at the other two servants like, guys, you're making me look kind of bad. If you guys could just like tone it down a little bit. But... This is where it's actually helpful to look at the parable from Luke's perspective. In Luke chapter 19, at the end of verse 13, we see that the master gives his servants one more piece of instruction. He says, put this money to work until I come back. So with that piece of information in mind, we kind of understand why this servant is wicked and lazy. He completely ignores his master's request as he leaves. And then his gold is given to the one who earned five more bags of gold after he gets busted. So if this story is a response to something, if Jesus is telling this parable as a response to something, what was asked? What was the question that prompted him to tell this story? Remember that word again at the very beginning of the parable that I mentioned? This is actually a parable in a string of parables and illustrations uh, to set the scene jesus has just rode into jerusalem on the first palm sunday so people have just celebrated jesus coming into jerusalem and as they're walking around this great city uh, in the in matthew chapter 24 they're actually leaving the temple in jerusalem it's a pretty big deal pretty big building and as they look at this grandeur and uh beauty of this incredibly significant structure in the jewish faith he tells the disciples this Do you see all these things? Truly, I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another, every one will be thrown down. And the disciples are like, uh, We have some questions. We, we, we need to, we have some questions about that because the temple is a pretty big deal. And if the temple is destroyed, I have some serious issues with that. And so they start asking, how are we going to know this is happening? When is this happening? Who is this happening by? Who is doing this? Why are they doing this? And so on and so on and so on. And Jesus tells a couple parables and he gives a couple illustrations. But the main point of those first illustrations is you're not going to know when this is going to happen. This is not going to be an event that you can set a date for. This is not something you can pull out your iPhone and set your alarm and set your reminders and make a calendar event and get a Zoom invite out and make sure that everyone's ready for this. In fact, if someone tells you they know when this is going to happen, you might wanna be a little concerned with that person. You should be wary of that person that says they know when this is going to happen. And that's where we get to the parable of 10 bags of gold. That's what the name of this parable is, the parable of 10 bags of gold. You might have heard of this parable referred to as the parable of the 10 talents. And really they changed it to 10 bags of gold recently just as a translation help. It's basically the same thing. Talent used to be a way to describe currency. And instead of using talent, we don't really use talent today as a, a, a type of currency. And so they just switched it to bags of gold. Really the thing that you need to know, it's a lot of money. One talent is a lot of money. That's really what you need to know there. But this parable is actually Jesus giving some advice on what to do before the temple is destroyed. So remember, he just pointed at the temple and said, all this is going away. Here's what you do until then. This is what that parable is about. And the temple's destruction was even sort of a symbolic way to talk about something. He's talking about the end of the current era. After uh, Jesus uh, is um, crucified, resurrected, ascends, and then comes back a second time. What to do before then. That's what he's talking about. These stories are earthly, though. They are accessible. They're understandable to some extent for an ancient Jewish person listening in that day. But they also have a heavenly meaning. Like I said, so let's decipher that heavenly meaning a little bit. We have two sets of characters essentially in this story. Over here, we've got the master, we've got the rich man who's going on a journey. And then over here, who's left, we have the servants, the guys who are left behind and told to invest the money well. That's the characters in the earthly story. The heavenly representation here then is the master is meant to represent God and the servants are meant to represent us. And I find it pretty interesting that Jesus would tell this parable about the master leaving his servants behind, entrusting them with some things, and then returning maybe a little under a week before he's arrested, crucified, and buried. And then a little over a month, he ascends and the Holy Spirit comes down to earth and is with the believers. And so I think it's almost like God knew, hey, I should probably tell these guys about what to do after I leave. I should probably let them know, after I ascend and go back to heaven, this is the way you should be living. These are one of the things you should be looking out for. At FCC, we like to practice a way of uh, reading the Bible called Discovery Bible Study. This is something that we went over in our Discipleship Pathway series at the beginning of the year. And I would encourage you, if you call FCC your home church, if you call this place your church family, I would encourage you to go back to our YouTube channel and watch those series if you missed one or two. Um, You can find our YouTube. If you go to YouTube and search Fremont.Church, look for the FCC circle, you'll find all of our Discipleship Pathway sermon series on our YouTube page. But Discipleship Pathway Discovery Bible Study has a few questions that we like to ask as we dig into the scripture together. The first question we ask is, what does this passage tell us about God, about Jesus, or about his plan? Well, if the master represents God, this story shows us that he trusts us with some things he entrusts things to the servants matthew 25 14 says that the servants were entrusted with the master's wealth not only were these servants trusted though they were given bags of gold depending and according to their ability and finally at the end of the parable we see that the servants were held accountable to that gold we also see that the master comes down pretty hard on the third servant Uh, He sort of protects the money. He doesn't really do anything. He doesn't lose it, but he doesn't gain anything with it either, but he comes down pretty hard on him, and a quick aside on the master's response to the third servant. When I first read this passage, I always have to, like, it kind of takes me by surprise. It seems like that response is really harsh. Like, you didn't do any, he didn't do anything with the money, and he gets tossed out, like, immediately, but Remember, Jesus is trying to explain how to live after he ascends, how to live and what will happen at the end of all this. But before he returns victorious, he's saying, listen, you've been entrusted with some things. And the third servant is meant to represent those believers, those followers of Jesus who were entrusted with some things and did nothing. There is an accountability that is had there with what we are entrusted with. But what is that? What are the things that we are entrusted with? And that's an interesting question to ask. Because when I was younger and growing up in the church, I would read this passage about ten talents. And I always thought it was legit talking about your talents and abilities and gifts. That's what I thought it was about. That's I, I read it at face value and said, okay, I know what this story's about. The end. Um, and so. I took all the abilities, all the gifts that God had given me, and I tried to find ways to plug into the church with those gifts and talents. I joined the worship team as a teenager so I could use my musical ability, and I found other areas of the church to plug in. I was working at kids' camps, I was working in student ministry, I would be at work days painting the very tops of the walls because short people couldn't reach them, Um, but I found, I, I tried to find as much as I could to plug in, and on some level... I think this parable is talking about our talents, our gifts, our abilities. All of us have been given different experiences and training that we can use to bless the people of the church and the people of our community. If you have a a gift for fixing cars, you can use that to bless the church, bless the community around us. If you have a gift for teaching, you can use that to bless our community. Just like we had this week, we had plenty of excellent, wonderful teaching volunteers who taught our kids how to make pancake spaghetti like, that's a gift, <laughs> believe it or not. And God has given each of us different abilities that we can use to bless the church. But I think we might be missing something if we stop right there. If we stop at just the gifts and the talents that God has given us, I think we're missing something. You see, we're already talking, uh, we already talked about abilities and gifts, but the parable is actually talking about money. It's, it's literally talking about money. Like I said, talent is just another way of saying a lot of money, And you might be uh, financially able to give sacrificially. There might be times where you can sacrificially give uh, to support something that's happening here or a person in our church. We do benevolence uh, offerings regularly here to provide for members of our community in need. Maybe you want to give sacrificially to send a kid to that summer camp video that we just showed. Maybe you want to uh, uh, ask Ruth Ritter and see what kind of diapers do we need for next month's drive and give sacrificially, offer up the, the finances that you have to pay for diapers for people in need. Or another uh, one that's happening next month, we have the backpack drive. Maybe you want to uh, head out to the atrium afterward, grab one of those backpacks and fill that up. But what other gifts has God given us? We've talked about talents and gifts and abilities. We've talked about money. But what about time, the gift of time that God has given us? Again, this past week, we just had our first week of two weeks of summer camps, and we had a ton of excellent volunteers here serving the kids of our community. We had students taking a week out of their summer vacation to be here and serve. We had adults taking a week off of work to be here and serve and spend time with the kids of our community, give them a fun week of summer. And maybe you can't give a full week, but what about being here next month on a Saturday for the diaper drive to hand out diapers and get to know people, be a friendly face? Again, talk to Ruth. Maybe it's not something that's happening here though. Maybe it's having a conversation with your neighbor and just having a moment of uh, just nice, nice conversation, get to know them a little bit. A small conversation like that can seem just that small, But it can be a bright spot in someone's day if they've had a rough day at work or if they're just lonely. And it gives you an opportunity to represent who Jesus is well, even if it's just by being a nice, welcoming, and kind person. God's also given us all the gift of different settings in our lives. You may have a place of work. How are you using that as an opportunity? How are you investing that well? How are you representing who Jesus is on the really long, grueling days with deadlines and frustrating meetings? Students in the room, in the fall, you guys are going to go back to class and you'll have classmates and classrooms and teachers. How do you live out your faith in the midst of stressful tests, projects, and weird social situations? Those are two big settings, but we all also have hobbies and interests that kind of bump us into other people around us. How do you exist in those spaces to represent Christ well? My brothers and I love to play video games, and we do that with other people. We started an online stream a few years ago, and twice a week we just hang out and talk with people and play video games. And uh, there are people in that community that I've met that I never would have met otherwise. And within the last few years, I've really been praying over how I represent Christ to these people online. I'd like to invite you to look at your calendar, look at your schedules, look at the things that are coming up in the next few weeks, the next months when school starts back up again. What are the opportunities that God has given you? Because that's what the parable is about. The master gives this money to his servants not as anything other than an opportunity. He says, Take this money, you have the opportunity to put it to work. And we have all been given different opportunities. We've kind of slid into the second question of Discovery Bible study here. What does this passage tell us about us as people? We've talked about God has given us gifts, opportunities. Got that one covered. In the parable, we also see that these servants are held accountable. When the master comes to home, the first thing he does is settle accounts. And I think it's important to note that even though the servants are given different varying amounts of gold, The two servants who do invest well are both celebrated in the exact same way. Both verse 21 and 23 are exactly the same response to both servants. It says this Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So while, yes, we will be held accountable to the opportunities we've been given, it's only to our own ability and resources that we'll be held accountable. The servant who went from five bags to ten bags wasn't celebrated any more than the servant who went from two bags to four bags. And I think following the trend, the third servant, if he went from one bag to two bags, I think he would have been celebrated the same amount. I want to point this out because whether you identify as a servant who's been given five bags, two bags, or one bag of gold, one opportunity, we have all been given a gift. We've all been given an opportunity to live out our faith, and we will all be held accountable to that gift. The third question of Discovery Bible Study is probably my favorite. The third question is, if this story is true, how must we change? In my head, I always think of this as the so what question. We get to the end of whatever passage we're reading, and we go, so what? Now where do we go? Now what do we do here? Where do we go from here? And I think there's a a clear point that we can take from this parable. These metaphorical bags of gold that we have all been given, we're going to be held accountable for those things. How am I investing well? How am I investing that gold well? What does it look like even to invest that gold well? I'm gonna jump back to my gaming experience a little bit here because like I said, there are people in this group that I've been playing with online that I never would have met otherwise and they are hilarious in the worst ways possible. Uh, I won't uh, share all of the jokes and all of the comments but I would have to bleep myself a lot. (laughs) Um, But I don't shy away from that experience. I don't shy away from that conversation because these, these people need to know Jesus as much as I need to know Jesus. And really, the fun thing is, is that they're just being authentically themselves. That's it. And there's always this fun experience when one of them finds out I'm a pastor, because then all of a sudden there's like this trial period afterward of like, they clean up what they're saying. (laughs) And they're just very much like, yes, hello, Ty. I'm so glad to join you on this gaming experience today. And then that fades, and then they remember. (laughs) But like I said, these, these conversations that I've had with these guys, I've been gaming with these guys for like three years now, and they started out really silly and goofy and normal, and we're talking about Marvel movies, and we're talking about what's happening in the gaming world, and now we're having actual meaningful conversations. Like, it started off as, hey man, how's your week going? Oh, the kids are really stressful. I'm really annoyed right now because the girls won't stop fighting. And then the next week, hey man, how's it going? Well, I'm moving out of state because I've got to find a new job. Hey, man, how you doing? Bro, life is hard right now. And these sign-offs have gone from, hey, man, I, it was great to play video games with you. I'll see you later. And now when we leave the conversation, there's a guy that I play games with that we, he never fails. He, starts, he started this. He said, hey, brother, I love you. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Because that's what it is. Hey, brother. I'll talk to you tomorrow. I love you. And and like, it's just loving community. That's what it is. It's what we practice here. It's loving community. And that's the opportunity that God has given me. And me and my brothers, when we started this video game thing, we had no missional community stuff in mind with it. We just wanted to play games. And now we're having real, honest conversations with these people. They're my friends. They're my family. They're my loving community as well. And so I ask you, where are the spaces? Where are the opportunities that you have been given that God has asked you to step into? Is it at your work? Do you work in close proximity with people that you see 40 hours a week and that you could actually spend time getting to know them, just talking, chatting here and there? It doesn't have to be anything huge. The stuff I do with my friends online, I have done nothing out of the ordinary other than be bad at video games. That's where this all started. For three years, I've been bad at video games. But what are the things that you can do in your life that are regular, that are normal, that allow you to represent Christ well in those spaces? As I was preparing my teaching today, I was really praying over that. Because here's the thing. That first servant, or that third servant, excuse me, the one who had been giving one bag of gold, the reason that he hid his gold was because he was scared. I really don't want us to be scared. It is scary. There are moments where talking with people and representing Christ well get a little uncomfortable, but that's what we're called into the uncomfortable. So I'd ask you, what are the places? I ask you again, what are the places that God has called you to? What are the opportunities that you have been given to invest well? I'm going to invite the band back on stage, and as they come back on stage, I do want to remind everyone that today is Father's Day. And as I was praying over my teaching, I really wanted to, to, I, I thought of a few different ways that I wanted to honor fathers in my message because I have a lot of father figures in my life who have been incredibly influential in my ministry, in my life, in my everything. And so I wanted to honor fathers today in my message, but with fathers in mind and with this parable in mind, I wanna ask, how are you using the opportunity that you've been given to mentor the next generation? And when I say fathers, I do mean, once again, all types of fathers. Yes, biological fathers, but stepfathers, adopted fathers, foster fathers, spiritual fathers, uncles, grandfathers, single mothers who are filling both roles. I want, you to, in, I want to invite you to consider that question. How are you using the opportunity you've been given to model this lifestyle, to live out your faith in this way and invest well? Well. To close our time this morning, I'd like to try something. I'd like to to give us like 30 to 45 seconds of silence. I'm gonna, in a little bit, I'll ask you to close your eyes maybe if you'd like. But just take 30 to 45 seconds and, and ask God, what are the bags of gold that I've been given? What are the opportunities that I've been given? Ask God to show you those opportunities. And after about 45 seconds, I'll pray and then we'll continue to worship with song. But take 45 seconds and and prayerfully consider God. Ask God, where are the opportunities that you've given me? God, would you give us your eyes to see? Those moments that we have in our lives, those opportunities that you have given to us as a gift, God, would we step into those opportunities? God, would we have the courage to do so? Not as an obligation or as a chore, but God, truly, we see it as a gift. And we thank you for the gift of being a part of what you're doing here in our lives locally or wherever you've placed us. God, we ask that on this uh, Sunday, on this week, God, would we go from this place? Would we take those opportunities with boldness? And God, would you uh, give us hope in the moments where we can feel a little discouraged? Maybe it's not going as quickly as we thought it would, or maybe things aren't as welcoming as we thought they would be. But God, would you give us strength to continue and chase after the opportunities that you've placed in front of us? And God, we know we can't do this under our own strength under our own power. So God, we ask the Holy Spirit, would you guide us? Would you give us strength? Would you give us courage to do this? Would you give us courage to step through open doors and conversations? Would you give us courage to just listen? To hear people's thoughts and emotions? And God, would you give us the presence of mind to represent your son well in whatever place you have us? God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this parable. We pray all this in your name. Amen.